All right, you can open your Bibles to Psalm 51, so long. And I was reminded of a, an announcement that I did forget. Shame on me. Next week we're having a church braai <laughs> right after the service, so uh, please be aware of that. You'll have a chance after the service to head home, change clothes if you need to, grab all your goodies and come back, and we'll have the braai out here on the, what would we call this, the... The, the field, the, the, the lawn, the grass out that side where we usually have it. But we just uh, bring a netball or a frisbee or a cricket ball and bats if that's your thing. And uh, look forward to enjoying some fellowship together next week. All right, Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 12. And uh, I'm going to preach to you just from one portion, the first portion of that verse. Psalm 51 and 12, David says here, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And today I'd like to preach to you a sermon called, Where Did the Joy Go? Father, please help us this morning. As always, we need the mercy and guidance of the Spirit of God to open our eyes to how important these things are. Help me to say what needs to be said. Thank you for the physical strength to be here, but Lord, that's not enough. We need your spiritual strength. Uh, Lord, you and you alone can touch the hearts of people and change them in an eternal way. Please do that today. Restore, God, that joy, the joy of your great salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody's having a great idea. Okay, we'll let that pass. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David has found himself here in a very low point in his life. If you know much about David's story, the things that he got to see God do, the prayers that were answered, the victories that were won, starting all the way back with Goliath, tremendous victory. Even before that, David was anointed by God, had the promise of being the king one day of Israel. Eventually, after Saul had chased David long enough and David had seen God's hand of protection over and over and over again, David got to see 800-year-old prophecies being fulfilled in his life through him personally. Things that God had promised to Abraham that one day kings would come forth from Abraham's seed they would rule in the land of Canaan all the way to the Euphrates River. That had never happened until David. 800 years, and David is watching it happen. In David's life, he said, God, I want to build you a house. The prophet came and said, David, that is a fine thought, but God's not going to let you do it. God's going to let your son do it. And God said to David, I am going to have my hand upon your household, your family, I'm going to use them. I'm going to preserve them. The promises that God gave to David, they stirred his heart. And there was such joy in this man's life, so much so that he would sing and dance publicly, the king of the nation. We recently talked about that, didn't we? How he worshiped God openly, the joy that he had. Are they looking for you? <laughs> It sounds like it's right on top of the roof, yeah? I thought they were going to land there for a moment. <laughs> and as we go, 
David was doing well. The nation was established. He's walking with God. He's a man after God's own heart. And then one fateful day, he spies Bathsheba. He brings her in, and his life hits an all-time low. He finds himself for several months out of fellowship with God. For several months, he has lost the joy of God's salvation. Now, David, he knew salvation in a way that maybe you and I, we, we would know it in this sense, but not exactly the same. David, of course, did not have access to the knowledge of Jesus dying on a cross. He did not know about the blood of the Lamb of God being shed to wash away sins. But David did have a very strong sense of what salvation was. Can I introduce it to you? Just flip back to Psalm chapter 18, if you would. I want to show you when David talks about salvation, what exactly did he mean? Psalm chapter 18 and verse number 19. Let me this morning rely quite a bit on the scripture here. Psalm 18 verse 19. David says, He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because... He delighted in me. Now, when he says he delivered me, that's another way of saying he saved me. He saved me. I hope you can say that this morning. I hope this morning you can say it's good to be saved. And I hope you know what that means when you say it. Verse 20, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. My goodness, I'm glad it doesn't work like that for me. Do you understand the difference here? I want you to see when David says salvation, he's saying, I'm, I'm glad that God is going to reward me for my good works. Do you see that? Now, I'm glad that God does reward good works. He does. Even now, that's true. If you're doing right, God will reward you for that. But, thank goodness, my ultimate judgment does not lie in the hands of my good works. My salvation is not dependent on how many good things I've done for God, but what God has done for me in sending His Son to die on that cross. Verse 21, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. You see, this is before Bathsheba. For all His judgments were before me, and I did not put away His statutes from me. I was also upright before Him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands and his eyesight. With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with an upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure thou wilt show thyself pure, and with the froward thou wilt show thyself froward. David says, God, I know you're, you're a good and a just God. And if I'm treating people right, you're going to treat me right. And if I start treating people wrong, you're going to treat me wrong. And David rejoiced in knowing that God was a good, upright, just, holy God. And that David had a relationship with that God. He rejoiced in that. He was so glad to be on the right side of this God. In verse number 27, For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. For thou wilt light my candle... I like that. Some of you need your candle lit this morning. <laughs> Some of you have lost that flicker. You've lost that little spark that comes from knowing God. 
Thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. Whatever the obstacle was, God's, David said, God, I know you're there for me. You'll help me get over it. Do, do you see where we get the phrase, get over it? You'll help me leap over the wall. Verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? Something solid that you can depend on. That's God. Verse 32, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Uh, some of you feel as if something's lacking in your life. You just can't get all the pieces of the puzzle to come together. This is part of what da David meant by salvation. God, you complete me. You make sense of my life. You, you perfect it. Verse 33, he maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. So God, you've given me good balance. Um, when I take a step, I'm not worried about falling every time. See, this is part of David's understanding of salvation. God, you're making sense of my life. Some of you need that. Verse 34, he teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Wow, superhero kind of stuff. That's, the, that's MMA before there was MMA right there. But see, back in David's day, there was constantly these hand-to-hand -hand combat situations, and he knew God can help me even in those things. Verse 35, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. Now, what does he mean? Is he talking about being saved from hell? No. Saved, saved from the dangers of his present-day life. Wouldn't that be nice to wake up tomorrow and know that whatever challenge I face, God's going to be there for me? Even if somebody comes against me with a bow of steel and there's no hope of me getting past that, God will get me through it. That's something. That's pretty good. Verse 36, Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. Wouldn't it be nice to have a little extra room in your life a little grace so that if you mess up your life doesn't fall completely to pieces David said it's good to be saved it's good to be saved God can deal patiently with me God's going to help me guide me teach me and walk with me verse 37 I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them neither did I turn again till they were consumed I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. Thou hast girded me with strength under the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. I want you to see in David's mind when he talks about salvation, it's not the same precisely as what you and I would know it. David doesn't talk about one day I'll be in heaven. David doesn't talk about uh, having his sins washed away by the blood of Christ. David has a personal walk with God. Now, watch this now. Everything that we've just read can be and should be true of you if you're saved. You can also say, God, you, you will light my candle. You'll give me space to grow. Enlarge my, my steps under me. God, you'll teach me as I go. Whatever the challenge is, you'll help me get over it. All of these things are true of us. Let me show you one other thing that goes with this. Psalm 16.
Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalm 16, 8. David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Look there at verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of what? Fullness of what? Joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The people of the world today are pleasure seekers. It's always one hobby to the next hobby to the next hobby. Tens of thousands of rands get spent on trying to make yourself temporarily happy. Pleasure. David found it. He said, I know where the pleasures of life are at. They're at the right hand of God. And amen, this morning we know, we know who's seated at the right hand of God. He said, in thy presence is fullness of joy. I've set the Lord before me always. He's at my right hand. Come back to Psalm 51. I want you to see in David's mind, salvation meant God is there for me. God will treat me right. God will help me continually, no matter what the challenge is. And best of all, and I say best of all, I get to live in the presence of God. Every step I take, I can, I can sense the Lord right there with me. That's a big deal. Psalm 51, look at it here. Look at how David acknowledges this. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence. You know what he's worried about? God, every step I've been taking for the last several years, I have felt you there with me. But now that I've messed up, I can't sense your presence like I used to. And I've lost that joy of living. I don't even want to get out of bed because when I get up and get going through my day, you're not going with me. God, please don't take that presence away. Verse 12, restore, uh, forgive me, at the end of verse 11, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David had become accustomed to walking alongside God, that Spirit of God there with him. Verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You see what David's connecting this to in his mind. It's all about the presence of God. When we get to the New Testament, we read this in Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Amen. Folks, you got to forgive me. My physical, my, my, my body this morning won't allow me to express the proper amount of joy that goes with this thought. So you're just going to have to do that work in your minds. You're going to have to take the words that I'm saying and, and think them through and hopefully they stir your hearts. But folks, salvation is just so great that we can't explain it to its fullest extent. You, you would have to this morning on your own think this through with me for a moment. How good it is to be saved. We have everything that we've just read about in David. We have the promise of God to teach, to guide, to lead, to be merciful, to be gracious, to be patient. No matter what the challenge is, we have, we have 
the presence of God that goes with us, not just at my right hand, but in my heart. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. But on top of that, we have the wonderful knowledge that our sins have been blotted out. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. And that forever and ever, things between God and I, judicially speaking, are fine. They're settled. The sins are gone. They're paid for. David, not even David, this great man of God, had that knowledge. David was worried that the Spirit of God would be taken from him, that maybe he would no longer find the mercies of God ultimately. Myself, yourself, we have this great promise that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, He gives us eternal life and we shall never perish. This is a great salvation. This is a great salvation. I fear sometimes we do not appreciate what it means to have eternal life. Eternal life is not living forever. That's immortality. That's a different thing. Immortality is good in and of itself, but eternal life is actually getting to live together with God forever. And that is something that is happening right now. If you're saved, if you have this great salvation, what joy that should produce in you that this morning you woke up and God was a part of your life. And that when you leave the building today, God is going to go with you. And when you sit down at the dinner table or uh, sit down tonight with your family, God is present in your home. And, the, and the, the presence of God offers that fullness of joy to say that of all the relationships that can be had in the world, I have the best one there is. That the God who made me is the God who came down here and died for me and is the God who is madly in love with me. It's the God who's wrapping his arms around me right now and saying, Mike, I love you and I'm never going to stop. And no matter what the challenge is, no matter how confused you might be, I am never going to give up on you. That is such a tremendous promise and what great joy it can produce. We sing in one of our songs, God's His divine presence to cheer and to guide. That's something that should thrill our souls. David has fallen into hard times because of his sin. And now according to verse 12, he's lost the joy of his salvation. And he's praying, God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation restore it. So I have three, three quick things I'd like to say about restoring the joy of God's salvation. Now, it could be, and this is point number one, it could be, you say, where did the joy go? Maybe you never had it. That's point one. You say, Pastor Mike, you're talking about how good it is to be saved. I don't know what you're talking about. And maybe when you read David saying, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, that prayer doesn't make sense to you because, well, how can you restore something that you've never had? Maybe somebody says, God, please restore unto me a good job because maybe at one time you had a good job. God, please restore my marriage because maybe at one time you had a decent marriage. God, please restore my health because one time so long ago you enjoyed good health. That prayer would make sense. 
But if you've never experienced the fullness of God's joy as it pertains to salvation, why would you say restore it to me if you've never experienced it to begin with? Last night we received a message. One of the young people in our church been coming to Sunday school, been hearing about the gospel and said, went to his mom and said, I can't put it off any longer, mom. I know where I stand before God. I know that I'm a sinner and I know that Jesus loves me and wants to save me and I can't wait any longer. Mom, will you help me? And mom gets down on her knees next to her boy and prays and asks Jesus to save that boy. Now see, that's just joy. That's joy. If you've never experienced that, that mom was writing message after message. I can hardly contain myself. This is such great news. I, I don't know what to do next. What do I do? That's, if you've never experienced that, right? Then why would you think to pray something like this? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. First, you need to have it. First, you need to have it. Think about this. You're going to court and you're guilty. Now, I know for some of you, that's a stretch of your imagination. For other of you, that's just, that's just Tuesday, you know. It's just another day of the week. But you know, you're standing in court and the judge is going to look at your case and there's absolutely no hope, no way you're going to pass. No way. Now, you stand there in court and they read the charges against you and the prosecutor lays out the case and it's looking pretty bad and it's sounding bad you know that's it I'm done I'm going away I'm not coming back from this and the judge ravels the gavel and says alright here's the decision innocent innocent free of all charge how can this be? And then the judge says, all right, everybody outside the courtroom, leave. I just want to talk to this criminal alone. There you stand, acquitted, free of guilt, tears running down your face. The judge has just said, you're fine. You don't have to pay for the crime. And then the judge begins to explain with no one else around, says, listen, here's what I'm doing for you. I just didn't want to see you suffer. I care about you. So all of the penalties that you have accrued, paid for, I'm going to pay for. All of the fines taken care of. And from this day forward, I am going to be there in your life. I'm going to make sure that you're walking according to the law. Any advice you need, any help you need, any challenges you meet, I'm right there for you. Now see, for some of you, that story really doesn't hit home because you've never felt the weight of your guilt. But if you feel the impending doom of pain for your crimes, and then somebody says, free. That is a day of joy. That is something to rejoice over. I know whereof I speak. I stood in the courtroom once, and I mean that. But it wasn't me. It was somebody I loved. Standing next to me. Charged with a crime. And they were guilty. 
And the judge looked down in mercy and said, not gonna punish you today. We're gonna give you a second chance. And I remember very clearly the immense amount of joy that overwhelmed my heart and the tears flowed down my face as I looked at that person I loved that had just experienced mercy in a very small human way. Friend, on the 3rd of August, 1996, God looked down in mercy, not in a small human way, but in an, in an eternal God way and said, even though you should be guilty, I'm gonna declare you innocent, not because of what you've done, but because of what my son did for you. John chapter five and verse 24 on your paper, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Friend, can I ask you just quickly, if you stood before God right now at the judgment, right now, and God took a look at your record and said, now why should I let you come into heaven? What would you tell him? Based on what you've done, not just the good, everything you've done, even the bad, where do you deserve to spend eternity? What should the answer be? Are you innocent? Or are you guilty? If you're honest, you know what the answer is. And then to hear God say, even though you're guilty, if you will trust my son, I will give you my righteousness and I'll take away your sins. That is a reason for great joy. You have now overcome and the Savior says you'll never come into condemnation. You're passed from death into life. So in order for us to get to verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Step one, you first have to have salvation. Maybe this morning you don't need to pray, God, please restore it. Maybe you need to ask God to make a deposit. First, put it in there. First, let me experience how wonderful it is to know that I'm saved, that my sins are gone, and that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Number two, Number two, what happened to the joy? Where did it go? Well, maybe it is that you have been saved. You've trusted Christ as your Savior, but you've never fully appreciated just how good you have it. You've never taken time to realize and meditate on just what it means to be saved. Has anyone ever given you a gift and you weren't quite sure what it was? Has, have, has, have you ever had that happen? Amen. I had that happen one time before I left for Malawi on my, the first trip I ever took to Malawi, a guy in the church in Florida, he gave me a shortwave radio. Any of you know those shortwave radios? A shortwave radio it looks just like any other radio, but it can pick up long distance signals. So let's say somebody in Malawi could listen to a radio program in America that type of thing. So it's a very high-powered, fancy radio. I didn't know that. I had no idea. To me, it looked like a very cheap, sad, pathetic excuse for a radio. This guy gave me the radio. He said, this will be a big help to you in Malawi. 
okay. I don't even listen to radio. So I thought, well, I don't know why this is such a big deal. I took the gift to Malawi. I traveled all around the country with this little radio in my hand. I didn't, you know, in my bag. I didn't know what it was for. By the end of the trip, I had a Malawian guy that I had led to Christ. I said, Robert, would you like a radio? Oh, yes, please. Yes. I said, okay, here you go. I gave him this radio. I had no idea that that radio costed hundreds of dollars. I didn't know. That looked like a little $5 radio. Robert took it. You, you know, Robert had no idea what that radio did. He could never make it work. It couldn't pick up any local stations. <laughs> when I got back to America, that brother asked me, he said, how was your trip? I said, it was fine. He said, uh, how'd that radio work out for you? I said, oh, it was lovely. I gave it to somebody. He said, you did what? I said, well, I, I gave it to one of the Malawians because I, I don't have any use for it. He said, do you know what a shortwave radio is? I said, no, sir. Did you know that's the last time that man ever talked to me? <laughs> I, I kid you not, he never spoke to me again. He was really upset. I did not know how special that gift was. And I fear that a lot of people handle salvation the same way. We talk about being free from guilt, how God has saved you from the penalty of your sin. God saves you right now from the power of sin. One day in the future, God's going to save you from the presence of sin. We can talk about that and for a lot of people, it just flies right over our heads. It doesn't sink in. Maybe you have received Christ, but you just don't understand how special it is to be saved. Therefore, it would be an appropriate prayer this morning. God, maybe not restore unto me, but help me realize the joy of thy salvation. Help me to fully appreciate it. On your paper, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 can hold on to Psalms if you'd like, but come to Ephesians chapter 2. And before we read Ephesians chapter 2, If I can direct your attention to the outline, I've given you two verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, and I think you'll be familiar with the first of these verses. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Paul says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, I think we, we can all acknowledge how true that is, right? We don't know how good God is. We don't know how good heaven will be. We don't know how good salvation is, right? Isn't that what it's saying? That eye, ear, heart, we don't get it. We don't get it. That's verse 9. Now read verse 10 with it. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. We get to verse 9 and we go, you see, I'll never be able to appreciate how good it is. But verse 10 says, yeah, you can. 
Yeah, you can. Where did the joy go? Maybe you never had it to begin with. Where did the joy go? Well, maybe you have it, you just don't know how good you have it. Maybe it's in there and you have not tapped into its full potential. Maybe you haven't stopped long enough to actually think about how deep, how good it is. Doesn't it say there in verse 10, the deep things of God? Isn't that what it says? How deep do you think you need to go to get to the bottom of that? You think that's a five-minute exercise? Friend, do you think you can come to church one morning, hear a, 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 a weak little sermon from, from a dilapidated preacher about it and, and wrap your heart around this whole subject? This is the kind of thing you need to go home and throw yourself into the prayer closet, lock the door and say, God, I'm not coming out until you fill my cup to overflowing. God, there's, there's got to be more to this salvation thing there's got to be more joy than what I'm feeling because I'm just going in and out, in and out, week in and week out and nothing's really stirring me, moving me, changing me. God, I want a little touch of this stuff. I want some of what David had. Listen, some of you need to get underneath that stuff. You need to say whatever fell on David, let it fall on me. What did Elisha say to Elijah? when he was going to become the prophet. Elijah said, you ask anything and I'll give it to you. And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Whatever you had, I want some of that. I want, to, I want, I want what I read about in those books where I read about those old, those, those revivals of yesteryear where God came down and moved on people and they actually left the house of God smiling. I want some of that where people actually come into church and walk away lifted up and going you know what it was good to be there today because it reminded me of what it means to have Jesus Christ living inside of me this was good I need more of this Ephesians 2 and verse number verse number 1 and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of, the, uh, course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Amen. That's you before Christ. That's what we did. We... We just did whatever we felt like doing. Whatever the world told us to do, we did it. Verse 4, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, we didn't deserve it, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Verse 6, watch it, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now think about that for a moment. Think about it. You say, but eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't entered into the heart of man. Right, the natural man would never think salvation could be this good. The natural man would never think this. It takes the Spirit of God to open your eyes and go, this is what's actually happening with you. You are not here right now. There's a part of you seated in heavenly places. 
Would you figure that out by yourself? You have to have the Spirit of God saying, you are connected to Jesus right now. You're joined to Him. I'm already over on the other side, waiting on my brand new body, sitting up there in the heavenly fair at the right hand of the Father. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm living in Christ, you see. I'm already there in Jesus. I'm waiting on my body to be. That's what it says. Now, you see, don't, don't skip past it. Look at it. Think about it. Let it sink in. Let the deepness of that, let the depth of that sink in for a second. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Say, Pastor, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's just too much to take in. And here's the beauty of it. You have all of eternity to figure it out. In the ages to come, he's going to show you the exceeding riches. Exceeding riches. Chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ that'll keep you busy go home today and meditate on that just start thinking about all the spiritual blessings you now have access to in Christ brother Jack Wood he did a study one time in Ephesians he said just in chapter 1 he found 38 different spiritual blessings in Christ just in chapter 1 that's just chapter 1 we didn't even get to the good stuff in chapter 2. All spiritual blessings. May I direct your attention to the bottom of the outline. I'd like to read with you this quote from Tozer's book. The name of the book is Experiencing God's Presence. And in a chapter entitled Man's Revolt Against, Against God's Presence, Tozer says this. We get used to a little viewpoint. We look at the world and at God and the kingdom of heaven from one tiny, dim crack. It is a crevice that we are peeking through, forgetting that if we would only dare to rise and have faith, that man at the right hand of God, sitting at the right hand of the throne, belongs to us, and we belong to him. And whatever he is, we can be in him. I tell you, it might change our whole lives. But here we are, the same as before. What's Tozer's point? We don't take time to actually look at these verses and then think about how true they are in our lives. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You may not need it restored. You may need to just realize how good salvation really is. To realize what it means to be in Christ, to be connected, to, join, to be joined to Him. He has eternal life, so I have eternal life. He's the Son of God. I am a Son of God. He has overcome all obstacles. I can overcome all obstacles. Listen to this great verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, th now I want you to hear this. 
There's two ways you find this in, in various versions of the Bible. Some versions change it. Listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how a lot of Bibles write it. That's true. Jesus strengthens you. But I like the way we have it in our Bible. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That, that carries two meanings. Jesus can be the one which is strengthening me, but also anything that I need to do which would strengthen me, Jesus will help me do that thing. Now, when you wake up tomorrow morning, if you're saved, that's the promise you have. That's a tremendous promise. When you're laying in a hospital bed and wondering, God, why is this going on again? God, why won't you step in and do something? And God comes in and says, you know what? Mike, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what the doubts are, what the concerns are, I'm right here with you, Mike. And the people, the nurses, the sisters, the doctors moving about in good health, they may not have access to what you have access to. You get to lie in bed with the presence of Jesus Christ right there next to you, keeping you through the day, through the night, whereas the doctors moving about, they, they don't have access to that. The doctor came in to do the lumbar punch on me. She said, you ready for this? I said, doc, you do your job, I'll do mine. She said, what do you mean? I said, you have to stick me with that needle, I have to pray. That's my job. <laughs> now, isn't that wonderful that in the midst of anything, I can pray and God's listening. I want to let that fullness, I want to let that sink in because that's going to give me some joy to get me through some tough times. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. There's one more thing I'd like to point out about this. If you want to turn back to Psalm 51, you're more than welcome to. But you know the verse by now. Where did the joy go? Well, maybe you never had it. Maybe you need to get it this morning. Maybe you need to be saved. Where did the joy go? Well, maybe it's there. You just don't know how good it is. Where did it go? David says, restore unto me. Maybe God's trying to do that. Do you ever think about that? Maybe God was already trying to do that. But David didn't have room for it. Maybe God would like to uh, rest restore that in your life. Because maybe at one time you, you were saved and you did experience the fullness of God's joy. Do you guys remember how good it felt when you first got saved? You guys remember that? The first time it sunk in that all your sins were washed away? Remember how good that felt? Do you remember what it says in Revelation about the first love? Remember how Jesus told the Ephesians, you've left your first love? Do you remember that first love where you were just head over heels for anything that had to do with Jesus? Remember that? Remember how good that felt? You know, it could be that God has been trying to fill your cup again and again. The problem is, every time God comes to fill your cup, it's already full of something else. And there's no more room in your life. You're looking for pleasure and happiness and satisfaction in so many other places. I think that's what happened to David, right? He got his life filled with other temporary pleasures. Bathsheba worldly success he was wildly rich he had all of these things that people looked for 
And in so doing, David forgot just how special it was to be saved, how much joy you get from that. When God comes around and says, here's my presence, here's what I can do for you, well, I'm, I got plenty of these other things. I have no room for that. So maybe you need a little more storage room. If you're going to say restore it, maybe you need more storage room. Has anyone ever come to you, maybe they want to share a file with you like on a flash drive? They have something on their computer and you, they want to put it onto a flash drive or a hard drive or something like that, one of those little memory cards. Have you ever put that flash drive in and then tried to transfer the file but you didn't have enough room on the flash drive? Isn't that frustrating when you get like almost the whole file and the, the whole thing crashes because you don't have the storage room on that hard drive? Well, rather than talk about the hard drive, let's talk about your heart drive. Maybe you're lacking the storage room in your heart drive. Your heart is so filled with other things that God would like to pour in a lot of this joy, but you, you have been, let's say, captivated by the thorns of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, the pleasures of other things. It's just so, so many things you're looking, you're looking to those things to fill you with joy. And God's saying, why can't my presence be enough? Why do you need Bathsheba? Why, why do you have to have all of these little worldly things? Why can't my presence be enough for you? This is precisely what God asked the nation of Judah in Jeremiah chapter 2. He says, a while back you used to be madly in love with me. And now you're kind of bored with me. What did I do wrong? Now I'm asking you the same question. What is it that God did that turned you off? Why is it that God is no longer exciting like he used to be? Maybe your heart drive is just too filled. Now, it may be filled with sin. It was with David, right? Look at verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart. Some of you need to clean off your heart drive. You know, whenever you do that, you got to plug the flash drive or the hard drive in. It takes time to go through hundreds, thousands of photos that you forgot you took, right? And all those things you downloaded from YouTube and those pictures and those, it just all that stuff gets junked up and you forget you have it there. Your life gets so cluttered that when you want to save something into the heart drive that really matters, you have no more space for it. It takes time to sit down, plug in the heart drive, go through all the mundane things you've been storing up and delete them one by one and go, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. This isn't, I don't even know why I put this on there. <laughs> it's gonna take some time. You say, I wanna get the joy of God's presence, the joy of salvation. I wanna feel that again. I wanna fall back in love with the Lord. I want that first love with God then it's going to take some time to, clear, to sit down and clear off the heart drive and get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the clutter. Create in me a clean heart, O God. That's what he prays. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit 
within me. Lord, get my attitude right. The things that should excite me, God, please let them excite me. I want to make room for you in my life. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Where did the joy go? You know, the temptation for me as a preacher is to come and give you a wildly enthusiastic sermon with lots of fun stories and try to stir you up from the pulpit and say, listen, look at me. Look at how happy I am. Look at how great this is. I have felt the joy of God's presence throughout the week. And if the room wasn't spinning so violently, I might get a little more stirred up right now. You know what I would much rather have? I enjoy a good church service where people are excited. I do. You know what I'd much rather have? I'd much rather have you go home, sit down quietly, and say, God, just please get real to me again. It's been a while since my cup has been filled to overflowing. God, it's been a while since you put a smile on my face. Just you. Not what you give me. Just you. And God, I want to be happy with just you. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know, I'm going to close this sermon with one thing I've never noticed about this passage in Psalm 51. Look at verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. It's very difficult to try to tell anybody else about the Lord if the Lord is not already stirring your heart. Why would you try to convince anyone else to enjoy the Lord if you're not enjoying the Lord? David says, please fix me. Fill my cup to overflowing. Then it will flow over to other people. Did you know all throughout the book of Psalms, David calls himself a servant of God? All throughout it. All throughout it. You, you take your time and do it. Do your homework. All throughout it. He says, God, teach your servant, lead your servant, guide your servant, help your servant. Now, look in Psalm 51. Let your eyes go through the chapter. Not one time does David call himself a servant. Not once. Because without the fullness of God's joy motivating him to talk to others about the Lord, David knows, I'm of no use. Where did the joy go? Well, Maybe you never had it. Maybe you have it and you don't realize how good it is. That is salvation. Maybe you just don't have room enough in your life for it. Too many other things trying to make you happy. But if you are going to serve God acceptably, friend, you're going to have to let salvation sink in and thrill your soul. And from there, naturally, you're going to start touching other people's lives making a difference showing them just how much God can change them as well let's all stand if you would please let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a few moments heads bowed eyes closed some music will play softly
It's one of the great blessings of salvation. It doesn't matter how good or bad you feel physically. That doesn't change God. It's good to be saved. No matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. If you lost your job, if you found a job. If your marriage is in good shape, if your marriage is struggling, it's always good to be saved. Always. I never, ever, ever have to spend another day without God. Every day for the rest of my life, I get to spend it with my Savior. And He loves me. I'm accepted in the Beloved. Nothing will ever top that. Nothing will ever... Nothing can beat that. That's as good as it gets. David had it. He had that joy. He lost it. I'm glad to tell you that he did get it back. You can get it back too. If you've never had it, you can get it this morning. If you've never been saved, would you do this today? Would you just turn to God and say, God, I, I know I don't deserve it. I'm guilty. I'm begging you, please have mercy on me. I believe that your son died for me. And I want him to be my savior. Would you ask him to save you? Would you do that this morning? Please. Please, sinner, please. Say, Pastor Mike, I've already done that. But I don't, I don't understand. What's the big deal? Friend, I can, only, I can only ask you to take some time and think about who you're walking with now. Of all the people you could spend the rest of your life with, you have Jesus there at your right hand all the time. Lord, please help us. Help us to fully appreciate what it means to be saved as much as we can, humanly speaking. We thank you for the Spirit of God showing us these deep things. Our eyes, our ears, our hearts can hardly contain it, Lord. It's hard to receive it. We look forward to one day in ages to come being, being shown the exceeding riches of your grace and kindness. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you for sending your Son to die in our place. And Lord, please never let that story grow old to us. Restore that first love. God, please restore unto us the joy of your salvation. 
Thank you so much, even today, God. It's so good to know you're my father. I'm your son. Thank you for loving us like this. I pray that you do, please keep your hand on us, Lord. So many people sick these days.